Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. Sis Tlaj, thank you so much for making the time to be with me today. Such an honor. Um, where were you born? Do you have siblings? Yeah, thanks actually first for just inviting me because I've also read a lot about you and I'm quite impressed. I really am impressed with your career and what you are doing is good. So I just want to congratulate you on that. No, I was born in this very little village called Mzimkulu. Ah, in I love Mzimkulu, yes. And I had, I had nine siblings uh -huh. and one of them died and now we live here, most of us live here in Johannesburg. Uh -huh. And uh, what all of us are professionals. I mean, that's a blessing in itself, isn't it? Yeah, no, my parents believed that education is on the only key yeah. for anything, for anything, and so they pushed it. And you had children that listened. They the, pushed it. The children listened. Um, yeah, we had no option. No, <laughs> my parents never take an excuse for an answer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we'll talk about um, that. There's a quote from your dad that every every what has a solution. Exactly. Yeah. And my dad would say, if you are looking for excuses in the world, yeah. you'll find them. You'll say, oh, I don't have a job yeah. because I'm black. Yeah. I don't have this because I'm fat. Yeah. I don't have this because whatever. So you so just stop the nonsense. Get going. That is a man to have in your life. <laughs> so, but what were your favorite pastimes as a child? Did you, how did you spend your days? No, actually, I've always liked to do things that are social. Mm -hmm. that uh, are economic generation. In fact, just to tell you a joke, um, I was known in the rural area that when my mom wanted someone to go, go and collect the money for anything <laughs> she sold, I was the only one you who could do that. Not only did I go and collect the money, if they didn't have it, I would take something. Oh. And then they would all run. <laughs> now that's a thought. It's like, until you pay me, you're not going to get that I'm back. taking it. I don't know whether it's a blanket or whatever. It was a joke, actually, because I was young. <laughs> Well, that was already foreseeing the future. <laughs> what vision did you have for your life as an 18-year-old? Are you living that life you envisioned? I think actually I am. Mm -hmm. My parents were very developmental, and they always said that uh, whatever you do is got to a broader benefit for humanity. Mm -hmm. My mom would say there's no way God would have brought you into this world in order for you to have a big kind of big house. There must be other reasons why you're occupying the space. I love that. And so literally, I've always just been developmental. I knew that whatever I do has got to be something that adds value to me, but it's also got to add value to society. So that even if just one person is yeah. glad that I was alive. Oh, I think there are more of us than one <laughs> that are very happy you're alive. You are the CEO of Ezigo Investments. What is the core business of this company? And what keeps you inspired about your business? Actually, it just comes as a joke to start with. Because yeah. I used to run a fund where I was funding low-income housing, funding women mm. contractors. And uh, every time they would come to me with problems. And I just thought, you know what, why am I funding people? Let me go and just do it start my own company and do what I think people ought to be doing and be a role model to yeah. others. And so when we started, we started in construction and then in property, then in housing. And now we're literally invested in quite a few things yeah. from, uh, 
from uh, engineering to financial services to a lot of other things. Yeah. But the starting point, though, was always housing and construction and infrastructure. Yeah, because I think that's where we all knew you from. At yeah, the beginning. those are my core skills. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. And you are you did uh, what town planning, urban yes. planning, and regional planning. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes we forget that. I think some people look at uh, some of our successful women and forget that there is education behind it. No, it's true, actually, especially in construction, because that's why I was so passionate about mm. it, that uh, unless you also have women in construction who can demonstrate that uh, women can succeed, mm. that's why, actually, one of the things I used to do was fund women contractors. Uh, that way, our kids, as they grow up, they need to see more role models see that uh, anyone can succeed yeah i don't know if anyone can you've inspired a lot of us even outside of construction i think you've shown us that it's possible but i suppose it is the work that we don't see you doing because sometimes it looks so easy when you're from the outside but i'm sure it's taken a lot of effort this question hopefully is gonna give me an idea of how you've done it what was the most courageous decision you have taken in your life thus far? And what drove you to that decision? Actually, there are two. Mm -hmm. The first one is nothing to do with work. I followed a man to the U.S. and then I married him. I oh. decided, oh, I won't let this one go. <laughs> that was quite courageous. Yeah. I would have, uh, so that, that I have been, I think is a courageous thing. Mm -hmm. But for me, the most, one, the most courageous one is just understanding that if you've got skills that you can sell to a company, you can sell to a, to any, to a private sector, public sector, then you can, you've got skills that you can actually start your own company, do what you want to do. So for me, that's a very important thing, especially for countries like South Africa, that if you can just have the courage to have more people yeah. starting more companies, and secondly, I invest in other companies, especially young people. And I used to invest also in women's companies, but yes. right now I'm more focused on young people. Because yeah. a lot of our young people have got brilliant ideas and then they want to start and uh, start a company. Yeah. But then nobody believes in them yeah. and they don't have a big uncle. And so if we want to see the change in this country, a lot of us also must just take the risk. Yeah. Sometimes a, you lose it. It's an angel investor market that we're lacking in South Africa, isn't it? Yes. And sometimes you lose it, but sometimes you're so pleasantly surprised. Actually, I'm just uh, supporting some young people at the moment in Mzimkulu. I'm so surprised. I mean, they are doing so well, so hardworking, so focused. Everybody needs a hand up, eh? Um, thank you for that. Um, what do you think is your unique value proposition? If you are not here tomorrow, what will we miss about you? I think um, I genuinely like to see people succeed. I genuinely like to see people realize their potential. I'm really a firm believer that there's a reason that uh, out of almost 8 billion people in the world, mm. I'm unique, we are unique, everyone is unique. And so if we can all help yeah. to find that uniqueness in other people and in ourselves, and own our own uniqueness. Because that's one thing I don't want to ever compromise. Yes. You have been distinctive in that. I must say, <laughs> you like in your own lane, <laughs> which is also an inspiration. 
what is your Achilles heel? What, what do you think, um, uh, whatever that Achilles heel is, prevents you sometimes from um, always being successful? Because sometimes our Achilles heel does impact us adversely. What is that for you? I've got quite a few. I mean, one, I'm very, I jump. And then once I've jumped, I've got to have a plan. <laughs> okay. So I will just decide that I'll do something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes without necessarily having done all the homework, but then it forces me to make things succeed because I've already jumped. Yes. I, I no longer so like have now. any option. I'm already there. <laughs> yeah. And it's something that I think I need to... I wouldn't encourage most people to do because once you're out there, you're out there. You're not going to be able to reverse. That, I think, for me, is one of my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. The second one is I'm very frank. And uh, it's very easy to end up uh, with people being offended because yeah. my parents raised me to say what I say and say what I mean. And uh, that is not always seen as a good thing. But we need more of that because I think if we're all upfront and honest because I think that's about honesty isn't it yeah but you could be honest in a better way in a respectful in a, in way a more or couch it in a yeah yeah I, I always appreciate people who will say the same thing to you that but in such a good way I don't have the skill it's like they're kicking it to the curb but yes. you don't even think yes yes <laughs> yes, yes yeah uh, I, I get what you're saying but I also think sometimes it doesn't matter how you say it. The very fact that you've said it, somebody will always take exception to it. So sometimes it's a, it's a balancing act. Sometimes how we say something is important, but sometimes the fact that you have just highlighted something to somebody is going to make them upset. Uh, so I agree. I just, yeah. also I just hate wasting time. I just, my mom always said, time and tide, waste for no man. <laughs> and so when she saw you dithering, she would yeah. say, time and tide, like, waste hey, for hey, no hey. man. So I Get don't have it. time to be wasting words for nothing. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm enjoying this. Uh, what do you, what is truly important in your life? What is the thing that's most important? Right now, at my stage of my life, my family is the most important thing in my life. And I'm even reflecting and seeing what else can I do more to make sure, because in the final analysis, all of us are going to die. And what we need to do is leave children who will be value-adding to society and leave people you've mentored who will be value-adding to society and leave whatever inheritance you leave. It can't be an inheritance that is depriving humanity of value. It's got to be value-adding. Yeah. And so it's something that I'm conscious about. Yeah. I'm very deliberate about even writing things, I'm deliberate yeah. about uh, doing things and going and motivating people and giving talks because I've learned things in my life. Yeah. And if I don't share them, what's the use of having yeah. learned them? Yeah, taking them with you. That, uh, I mean, the one thing I learned from Raymond Ackerman, uh, which uh, somebody I've also kind of looked at um, and had the privilege of interviewing a couple of times, was the family council how um, and, and infusing certain values in the family mm. so that even when they are dealing with these financial issues, the kind of principles that guide that, mm. I thought that was such a valuable mm. thing because sometimes we think of creating wealth 
and kids inheriting, but some of those principles that are not in place mm. are the ones that actually end up making us not continue the wealth down generations. So that was something mm. I thought, hmm, I wish every family that was you know, wealthy could do that. Um, have family council and have a construction that makes it so constructive for the family members to interface mm. and, and be able to resolve conflict and make decisions in a way that is respectful. So I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, completely agree because even within a family, once the parents are gone, mm. yes. then it becomes important. Yeah. Someone has got to deliberately take the responsibility to make sure yes. that you are holding the family together and letting go of just petty things. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of things that won't be I mean, to life. Yeah. So don't cling to them. Just say yeah. uh, family will always uh, create some uh, hustles for you. Yes. But just don't cling to them. Family is bigger than you. Yes. And the next generation should be mm. able to gain from that. What keeps you awake at night? At this moment, it's uh, this youth unemployment. Mm. Actually, most of my actions at the moment both from a company perspective, from a mentoring coach, a coaching perspective, from a developmental perspective, I think that a country cannot succeed if its most able people are unemployed. Sooner or later, they'll find work for their hands. Yes. And if we all think we're going to wait for government to deliver, we'll not be a successful uh, company or country. Also, just, I mean, to do, the truth of the matter is that a lot of us are privileged. It doesn't matter, I mean, you don't have to be a millionaire to be a privileged. You are privileged with your education. And my view is for every privilege, there's a duty. Yes. And if you've got a privilege, then you've got a duty to do something more than just for your own uh, self. Well-being, yeah. We need to, I think we, we say the word Ubuntu, but I don't know if we feel it. It's no longer part of our heart. It's intellectually and I think if we regained that connection with our heart we will start seeing other human beings and seeing the need that there is in our country because there is a huge need. If you could change one thing that you have done in life that you wish you had done differently, what is it and why would you do it differently? Or what wisdom have you gained now that you are seeing it um, in today's eyes, that you didn't see it whichever way then? I remember I went to, uh, Colin Hall used to run uh, uh, courses on leadership. leadership yeah. And there's one I remember, because he was very good about being, showing concrete examples. And then he would say, in life there are things you need to fit in now, because you won't ever be able to fit them later. And so he would bring a jar, and he would first fit in the stones, and then fit in the sand and fit in the water. And you will say, try and do it in reverse. Yeah. If you are going to do it in reverse, you'll no longer go in, the water will spill and you won't do it. And so one of the things for me, even though I think that I've tried very hard to make sure that I spend as much time with my kids and my husband and my, and my parents and my siblings, when I think back again, I think while I listen to Colin Hall and I try to follow mm. that model, that model sometimes when you are busy building a business is difficult because mm. you always have competing needs. If I were to redo things, I would actually spend more on this quadrant. 
yeah. where also I just make sure that even if I don't have to be, I don't have, I can always take my own time, sleep late, but it's important because you can't appreciate your parents when they're dead. Who? Yeah. You can't. You can only appreciate them when they're alive. Yeah. And they also feel it. Uh, I must say, I mean, we were speaking about it earlier. That's one thing I don't regret about. Um, because I think we can become competitive and people are winning awards and big business and then you would want to do the same. But then you look at yourself and like, there is no way this time I have with my mother I can ever replace with any amount of money. So some of those decisions I totally get. Um, that those quadrants, we should really look at them. Many of us should do that and not have regrets. That's one thing I don't like having regrets. Maybe for me, actually, just, I guess, because my mom died in 2019, my dad died before that. Mm. One of the things about, maybe that's, um, I won't call it regret, but I just think that I've got a mother who raised nine kids, mm. plus two grandkids with my father, and they made sure that they all had not just a junior degree, they had masters and some PhDs, yeah. and that uh, still they did all the community work, mm. and then still they worked. And so my mom Quadrants actually, my mom actually never living in the rural area, won uh, the global uh, national award. It was given to her by President Clinton, mm -hmm. and she's never left the village. Yeah. She's done all these things, but still holding to everything else. So we can and, do it. And I, I, so my regret is, I wish I would just have got more wisdom from my dad and my mom. Yeah. I, I, they were my mom and dad, but now when I look at some of their wisdom, Gosh. my dad, I don't even know how many people she edu he educated. Yeah. And he was just a, a, a professional in education. Yeah. So when he died and we see all these people lining up, oh, he paid for my uh, degree, paid for it. I was like, wow. how did he do this? So I could have learned more. They, they contributed more to society with very little, and it's not only my parents. Yeah. Most parents of people I know, they've contributed more to society under apartheid yeah. with very little finances, but they've turned lives around. Without doing PR? None. Because most None. times we only None. think of the ones that are in the media. And I totally get what you're saying. I totally appreciate that. So this is perfect to ask this question now. What is your view of mentorship? Did you have a mentor as a young professional? I've had a lot of mentors in my life. Uh, some of them direct, and some of them within the corporate world, and some of them just promoters. In fact, I'll just give you an example. When I was working in the US at Washington State University, I was, I'd never really even thought about going to MIT. And this woman who had read a lot about my bio in the US, who's ex-South African, mm. phoned me and said, have you thought of uh, doing this program? And it's so important, go to MIT, da, 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 da. Things I never thought about. And she said, let's get a scholarship and let's do it. And uh, when I came back to South Africa, I've had mentors like Colin Hall, I'll give him, I'll, I'll mm -hmm. just raise his name up. Because Colin would say, South Africa must change. The private sector must change. It's got to be encompassing and mm. inclusive. And he would, through his courses, he would groom a lot of us to think about leadership yeah. differently. And I've had a lot of other people, I mean, in my life, even now, 
I still have people who call me and say, we don't agree with whatever you've done. Have you thought of that and that? I still think that's mentorship. Wow. And I do think that my mom used to say, we'll learn until we die. Mm, I think true. unless you're dead, you should not stop learning and yeah. start uh, self-correcting and realizing that you can't be the know-it-all. <laughs> I do love your parents. I haven't even met them, but I think the, no nonsense was them. I love it. I love it. Do you procrastinate about doing any task? Uh, what is that task? And how do you overcome the excuse that causes you to delay in completing that task? Oh, I hate admin. Oh, if you give me paperwork, yeah. uh, forms to fill, <laughs> I'll only do it with the deadline. It's like... I just, I don't, I think that, I still want to re-say, I think time is short. Mm. And it's got to be used constructively. And there are things that some of us have got a passion for. As a result, we do them passionately and we do them with effect. And there are things that is just... <laughs> it's like I have to do it. Ah, like yes. filling bank forms. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, somebody, um, my mentee, Ziggy, says, yeah. So she was like, um, oh, are you going to have somebody coming after the interview? And I'm like, no, it's my admin today. So, yeah, we just have to do it. It's part yeah, of business. Yeah, yeah, and it's important. It's also important that we've got to do things we like and things that we don't like. Because when you do the things you don't like, that's when even our kids see that life is not always about doing the things that you like. Yes. But they're important because mm. they move the world forward. Mm. Which, um, I love this then. What qualities do you possess that make you an effective board member? Because I know you sit on a number of boards. <sighs> I think one of the things, I mean, uh, I consider myself very courageous. I don't mind not agreeing with other people because I believe the reason why I'm sitting there, I've got certain value to add. And I come with a certain history that other people may not have. And so if there's an issue of principle, it wouldn't be correct for me not to voice my, my, uh, uh, have my voice. Because, I mean, just take something like, I'll just say racism. Sometimes it's easy to think, oh, the person thinks like this because they're racist. Mm. I'm not making an apology for yeah. racist because they are yeah. racist. Yeah. But most people think about this because they've never had your experience. Yes. Mm. They've never lived in a poor rural village where they've had to help a lot of other people. And so when you start talking about, let's do this, they may not immediately say, yeah. fantastic idea. And then again, just think about some of the businesses that we, ha we invest in or some of the people I coach. Some of them, they're losing money, not because they are careless people. It's nobody has actually ever taken them by the hand mm. and taught them certain skills. And so I think it's important if you're in a situation to understand that people are not always coming to the same situation from the same angle. So you've got value to add. The other thing that uh, I think I'm good at is I'm a strategic thinker, and uh, my degree, one of my, one of my degrees is uh, town planning, and if there's one thing town planning teaches you, is that you look at nothing and you imagine a city. Mm. You look at nothing, you imagine a sentence that's going to happen. So you understand that most things that will happen, first have got to be visualized, they've got to be imagined, and then they will happen. And so you don't say when you see something that's empty or see something that's not there, you think there's nothing from this. If you think about it, there were no cell phones. 
if there wasn't anyone with an imagination that there could be a cell phone. So term planning teaches you to imagine things that ought to happen, that can happen, and think visually about it. Of course, you've got to think financing, you've got to think all yeah. the other things and social economic impacts yeah. and all of that. So I think that's a very, for me, that's a very, that's a very good skill that I have. You've just excited me because part of my work is strategy. I've never heard somebody articulate strategy that way and using time planning as a, I love that. It's really, it's visualized it even for me. That's awesome. Um, you and your husband have raised four children together. Yes. What wisdom can you share about integrating work and family life? Did you feel any guilt as a career woman? Have your children, your children, given you feedback on how they experienced their childhood with successful parents? Well, they claim that to are excellent parents, but I don't know whether they claim that because, um, yeah. because obviously, I mean, your kids always love you. Mm. But one thing that we had agreed uh, with my husband, Tinga, when we got married and we got, when we had the kids was that at any given time, one of us must be available to the kids. If the kids are playing their game, I remember whatever rugby, until I used to play rugby and said to used to love her dancing and Pamela and all of them love their different things, that one of us must be there so that our kids at no given time should they ever feel they are alone. Mm. We understood that sometimes it can't be both of us. Yeah. Sometimes one of us may do more but bottom line is, we've got to make sure that we're there. That's one thing we're great upon. The second one, is, uh, it was just more like when we were getting married and my mom just made this very clear to my husband. He said, listen, if you think that God made Lala to be a wife, you're crazy. God made Lala to be a human who will uh, do more in her own right. If she just happens to be a wife, that's just one element. Wow. So don't think that her life will be taken over by wifehood or whatever. And so that uh, agreement in us, yeah. it's always been concrete that none of us are made to be wives or husbands. We are made to be bigger than who, to be the best that we can be yeah. and do the best that we can do. In whatever area in whatever, you want. Without someone trying to constrain you. <laughs> Some of us have been searching for such a part now. <laughs> <laughs> I love your mother. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just love her. Uh, what wisdom can you share about how women can demonstrate support to each other in business particularly? I think that um, if, we, if, if, if we don't break the stereotypes ourselves, because there are these stereotypes that women never support each other. If we don't break the stereotypes, who will? Yes. Who will? If you let a stereotype stand and you not be the intervention that you want. So when I say women, I'm always supporting them because I've been supported by a lot of women. And so for me, it's very important that we demonstrate that support. Secondly, if I sit on a board and there's, I see a gap, I'm the first one to say, let's bring a woman. And we've got to be visible about it. If I'm in financing, that's why actually I push for the financing of women. Mm. I'm the first person who actually uh, finance women contractors in the country. Because basically, unless we become the change that we want to see, nothing will change. Golly, I'm just thinking of, um, remember the 
Madeleine Albright um, quote, that there's a special place in hell for women who don't support <laughs> other women. I must say, I, I get, at some point, I kind of said, let's stop saying that, because um, women are also diverse, and um, there are some that enjoy helping other women, and then there are some that don't, and we mustn't make them feel bad. It's not positive that they don't want to help other women, but um, yeah, because it also perpetuates the stereotype. Uh, it's almost like the whole thing about moving the ladder. Women, when we go up, then we move the ladder so that other women can't come up. We perpetuate the stereotype. But I want to focus on women like you that do. It's like, let's rather uh, hold up the women that do support other women and use those as role models. Dudu, if you don't support other women, yes. you are self-defeating. I know Because that. people yeah. start saying, oh, Dudu is an exception to the rule. Yes. And so it doesn't matter what you're doing. Is it correct that people think if you're a black person and you're doing something, they think you're an exception to the yeah, rule? Yeah, that's you the only if one. If you're helping yeah. other people, wouldn't it be better that you demonstrate that there's no exceptionality mm. in what you're doing? Yeah. Everyone, anyone with the same tools yes. could do it. Otherwise, you're just undermining yourself mm -hmm. completely. I totally get that. Intellectually, I, I know that all the women, other women do it, but I would say let's not put them in boxes. Um, it's like the wisdom conversation we're having. The idea that there aren't enough Africans being exactly. quoted is what is driving me. I want a child in India. I want a child in Japan, I want a child in America to say, I actually heard this letter say that, and quote, let us be quoted for a change. So all those stereotypes, um, I think we can break. And I think I, I, I'm focusing on you. The very fact that you're sitting here shows support for other women. So let, we're focusing on what uh, is happening. May I just also say something quickly yeah. to do on this point? Because... Again, I mean, I like to quote my parents, yeah. I guess. My dad used to say that if you've got a scarcity mentality, yes. you think that if you are going to give something, whatever it is, mm. then it affects your abundance. Yes. The, it's, it's the opposite. If my dad used to say, show me one poor person who's, sit, who's sitting at the corner begging because they uh, gave to the poor. One who says, oh, yeah. I'm sitting here because I had an abundant mentality and I gave so much to other people. Now I'm sitting here and I'm begging and I have nothing. There's no such thing. Because yeah. you're just blessing yourself yes. by giving. You and give, you're also you creating a certain, a certain mental belief in yourself. The very fact that you can take, let's say, whatever, let's say money yes. and give to someone. The ver even when you're giving it, yeah. you're telling your mind that you've got capacity yes. to create far more than you have. Yeah. And so by giving it away, your mind knows there's plenty for my team yeah. and I've got to go and make more. I, I totally get that. I always say, um, in order to receive, your hand must be open. Exactly. So um, I have to give in order to be able to receive. Um, do you believe that leadership is gender agnostic? And that means gender neutral, um, which means avoiding distinguishing between sex and gender, and why? Why would you think leadership is gender agnostic, if that's what you believe? No, actually, leadership definitely, I mean, uh, is not gender. Our society, patriarchal society we come from, has convinced us 
and convince a lot of women that uh, men can do things better. In fact, I laughed so much one day, but with head, not with laughter. Yeah. When Denosa chose a man, and Denosa is a nursing association of women, and majority of nurses are women. And I'm like, how do you go about doing that? Mm. So it's just this belief, the self-belief that we need to change. Yeah. Think about it. Is there a school where presidents go? No. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Mm -hmm. So how would you decide then that a man is the best president? On what basis? And we do that all the time. And how do you go to church for churchgoers? And there are very few men in church. Majority of churchgoers are women. When you've got to choose someone, who? There's a man. Mm. We've got to change our belief as women. And we've got to instill this even in our girl children that uh, they need to see more women standing, going back to the point you made earlier, role modeling, so that even if someone were to give them an impression that we are less for whatever reason, yes. they need to know they are more for every reason. They don't believe it. They do not believe it. Um, we just spoke about that um, earlier. Uh, you used to say your father, um, you used to say for any constraint, there's a solution. And there is. What is the one untapped potential for growth that rural South Africa has not recognized or maximized as yet? It's just, I mean, think about it. Right now, actually, I'm busy with a lot of, of, of this initiative. Most of our people are sitting there with land. Someone else comes and says, I'll, I'll talk about my area right now, because that's the point I've been making. That we're surrounded by forests. And none of mm. us, most of our communities go as laborers. Mm. They don't think about uh, careers in forestry. No. And so my job is to unlock that view, wow. unlock that vision, that just because you happen to be in a rural area, you're surrounded by wealth. Mm. And we know that food is the next frontier. Yes. And if you're sitting with land, even if you, you don't have, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't reform land, but you cannot wait for the Messiah to come, to start. That's awesome. Yeah. To start. Because we also look down at agriculture, isn't it? And uh, amazing. And that, that, that's what feeds all of us. And amazing what feeds us. And then if you look at all the studies, they're showing that the next land frontier is the continent, is the African continent. Yes. And unless we prepare ourselves and we've got skills, we'll always be sad when there's a war in Ukraine. Because yeah. we're not producing enough wheat and you're thinking, why are we not producing enough wheat? We've got tons of land. Yeah. Anyway, instead of being defeated, let us find solutions. Because sometimes there are just so many challenges and you think, but we know that we have solutions. Why aren't we implementing the solutions? Um, what's still on your bucket list to do? Oh, development. That's your fault. I just, um, I go to rural areas. You can just see the evidence. Let me just say, talk about evidence. You, you look at the shops and then you can see the evidence that people are spending money. Even if they don't have much money, why can't you identify the things they're spending on? Yeah. And they focus on producing those things. Mm. And why should we always be waiting for government? Because that's really what causes the, sometimes parties to come and abuse us because we think someone is going to rescue us. We can rescue ourselves. Yeah. I think sometimes 
we do have a poverty mindset. It's not the outside of not having the finances, but the idea that we, as you say, just because it's blank land, the vision that you can actually build something on that. It's how do we then rebuild that idea that we can, what we can dream, we can conceive and we can make reality. And think about it actually, Dudu. I'm so happy you're going to that. Because I've argued this, that if you think about apartheid in particular, it was based on messaging mm. that black people cannot make it. Yes. And we've never had a, a, a reverse messaging mm. that every child can make it, mm. everyone can make it. And so we suffer from unbelief. I think, so if we can get more and more people to believe in themselves, they may not know that day what they can do successfully, yeah. but the very belief that you know you, you can do anything. Yes, that mantra, I mean, that has been my mantra. I find it very difficult even to read models or anything without wanting to augment it. So even with leadership, I love Stephen uh, Covey's work, but even when I use a model, I end up, and I'm like, the thing is that we have that creative and, and that genius as Africans as well, that even if we haven't developed the model from scratch, we can augment it. We don't always have to take things as they are, which is what makes me very passionate about entrepreneurship, mm. that we may not have scale at the beginning, but we have to start somewhere that our genius hasn't really flourished and, um, and it doesn't matter. So I get very excited about entrepreneurs. I get very excited because we, we get models of what is sophisticated, what is perfect. No, no, we start somewhere. We, we start somewhere. Uh, when you look at uh, Samsung, somebody didn't think Samsung was possible but there was a South Korean that thought Samsung was possible. And Africans have to think that way. I'm very excited at the work that you're doing in your rural environment to inspire that. And if you think about, even just think about uh, Sasol, someone had to think that a Sasol is possible. And I'm sure when they started thinking about that, everyone was like, oh, you're full of crap. Yeah. We can't do it. We need more people who say we can do it. And instead of saying, why can you not succeed? Think about the reasons why you can succeed. That can do mind. Yes. Of course, you can really lose a lot of money. And personally, I have. But that doesn't take away from my cook can do mind because the 2080 principles uh, kicks in. Yeah. Oh, boy, we can chat forever. I'm so excited that we're having this conversation. In closing, um, what wisdom would you like to leave us with? What is the one wisdom that you'd like to share? I think one thing I've learned in my life is that there's a reason why we are unique, why I'm not the same as you. And that reason is I can do things that someone else cannot do. That if I'm authentic and not try to copy other people, I can do things. And so I really would like any person to first understand that the reason why they are unique is exactly because they can do th things that uh, other people are not doing. And secondly, that the, the very reason that we're unique, we need to cooperate. Because I've got some things that you don't have. And if we cooperate, we can build a better South Africa.
people in the world. In the, the better, better world. world. My gosh. I've just gone to a retreat where some of these discussions were happening and um, I was struggling with uh, what do I bring into the world that is so unique in terms of the voice. And they were expressing like disbelief that I have that. And, 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 um, and now you're making me tap into that again uh, to kind of say, you think everything has been done, everything has been said, and yet you're still saying we are still unique. You, you are made for something and you can still bring something that's totally different from what all the 8 billion people are doing. Think about it. I mean, uh, there's our, our own Elon Musk. He's busy reinventing the, the, the world. And clearly, there are so many things that we've not even thought about. Thought about that create jobs for hundreds and thousands of people. So we need to think about the things that we, because there's no reason why we would have a passion if that passion doesn't have to be bathed. If you don't bath it, it's the same as if you never had any passion for anything. Yeah. Do you understand why we're having this conversation, people? I hope you've enjoyed it. I cannot ever have the words to express my gratitude for this opportunity. Oh, I'm so grateful to you too. I really am. I may not be the wisest person, but because I've traveled the road, I hope someone else avoid the same pitfalls. For sure. Thank you. And uh, until next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Durumsomi. Please also like, follow and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified Conversations with Durumsomi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Enjoy the wisdom journey.